Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, man. I know you're here. Can't act like you ain't here, man. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to the church. Welcome to the church. I want to keep praying because I need it. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we praise you, Lord God. I just, man, helping to figure that all out. That what we just got through singing, man. And it's so important, man. It's so so helpful, Lord God, to remind that we can, we can re recenter that way, resurrender like that. And uh, I just pray, Lord God, that, you know, there's just, that we can just, like, get underneath your word, Lord God, and, and just allow our lives to just be infiltrated by your Holy Spirit right now for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, I just uh, last week, um, uh, had a birthday, I turned 30 years old for uh, the 30th time or 31st time, whatever the case may be, man. I'm like 60. I'm like an old dude. When I was a kid, I thought I'd never see, I thought 60, you people, those are ancient. You know what I mean? You know, I, like I got the creaks and everything to, to prove it, all right? But, but what is crazy, man, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my front yard uh, and um, I'm just spending time with the Lord. And I'm just, uh, I'm tripping, man, because I said, man, God, you gave me 60 years on this planet. I mean, you gave me 60 years on this planet, so I started trailing, you know, thinking even deeper, right? I'm thinking, you know what? Out of those 60 years, I was able to give them 28 years back, right? 28 years ago, I gave my life to Christ, and I was able to give myself, give God 28 years back, almost half my life, I've been able to give back to God, right? And that's pretty awesome to be able to say, but it's not as good of a, of a testimony as I would like to have. You see, because even in those 28 years, even in those 28 years of, you know, that I gave to God, time after time, I've taken my life back. And I've had to resurrender. You know what I'm talking about? We're like, God, here's my life. Okay, wait a second, hold on. Not yet. <laughs> All right, here's mine. I'm like, you know, here's my life, Lord, you know what I mean? All right, okay, but I need it back right now. <laughs> I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. You know what I mean? I just kind of go, constantly just going in and out like that with God, and, and, I'm, and I'm tripping, man, because over and over and over, I find myself distracted from the word of God, distracted uh, from the work of God, distracted from the glory of God, you know, distracted by my own word. Distracted by my own work, and even sad to say, ah, distracted by pursuing my own glory sometimes. So I say, I would like to have a better testimony. And you see, the only remedy, all right, to recenter a life, the only remedy for a life that has gone off the rails from God, or they even not even gone off the rails, but maybe kind of in and out, the only remedy for that life is the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, there, there, there's no other remedy for this life because life manages, hits hard. It happens without our permission. And so a lot of times we're given it permission. Right? And you know, and if we, if we get off center and we're all out, man, and we're trying to figure things out, and the only remedy is to recenter our life at that cross, at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because there's nothing else, because no, no one else is coming for you. There's nothing else is going to save you. And when you recognize, you know, when I, when I look in the mirror, I'm reminded, all right, that I didn't make this happen. <laughs> I'm reminded that I'm not this good. I'm reminded of what he did to save this, this person. 
I'm reminded, man, that, 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 that not only my life, but humankind have been pushing themselves away from God, pushing themselves away from God constantly. And God, he didn't just say, you know what, forget you then. He came after us. He came after you. He came after me. All right, he, he said, you know what, I love them. And he sent his son, and this is the story. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. He sent his son, all right, God in the flesh, all right, to be born as a baby, to grow up this perfect, sinless life, to pay a debt that he never owed and a debt that I can never afford for my sin. All right, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God sent his only son to buy back a life of sin that we could never afford to pay for. And I have to remind myself, right, uh, that, that he gave his perfect life for mine and for yours. Man, dude, this is our testimony, all right? This is the testimony of the church, all right, to a world that is literally dying to know that they can know Jesus. What are you doing with that testimony? What are you doing with it? I'm leaving. No, just kidding. <laughs> just get him a water. These are questions I ask myself. I am nowhere near being above you. I don't want to be above you. All right, I'm on a stage because I got a big voice and I got to go like this and talk to you people way back there. All right, and say, so, but that's the only reason. I, you know, I'm not. I'm preaching this message to myself. What are you going to do with this testimony? This testimony is the treasure of the universe. There's nothing greater, nothing more important, nothing more, 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 more. There's nothing more, all right, than the gospel, the, 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 the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the fact, the truth that Jesus gave his life for your sins, my sins, my life, man. There ain't nothing more important than that. What are we doing with that? What are you doing with that testimony, with that treasure? See, as we, we've, been, we've been going through Luke chapter 16, and as we roll through Luke 16, we're, we're recognizing, I'm, I'm sorry, we're in Luke 16 now. We've been going through the book of Luke, and as we approach Luke 16, we're opening it up first time today. All right, Jesus is challenging his disciples to this very same thing, which makes it a challenge for all of us. Because I want to remind you of something, man. If this life is all about you, it's going to end when you end. If this life is just all about you and your glory and what you got to do and what you're trying to make happen for you and get yours, all right, it's going to end when you end. And I would challenge you, man, you know what I mean? Because if you're good with that, you know what I mean? If you're like, I'm good with that, I'm just going to keep getting mine. You know what I mean? If you're good with that, you know, then get ready, get down, eat, drink, be merry, because tomorrow ain't promised. Ain't promised for none of us. I got 60, all right, years that God has given me on this planet, and I don't know if I get another one. So I'm gonna live. Every day is a very important day, ain't it? And I want to challenge you this too. If if this life isn't all about you then it will live beyond you. It will go further than you could have ever went. When you make this life about Christ, the only treasure there is on this planet and for this planet. 
And so in Luke chapter 16, we're in verse 1 through 15 today, and this is a crazy story. Jesus is actually sharing this really crazy, seemingly like some kind of upside-down story, all right, to help us recognize some really, really important stuff. So let me pray one more time before we head into this. Father, I just pray, Lord God, that you just help us right here to understand that you just help us, Lord God, to recognize what you're saying to each of us, man, individually and collectively as your church. I pray, Lord God, that we don't miss you right here. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so these past few weeks, we've been recognizing Jesus was talking to a whole bunch of sinners and tax collectors and people like they were all crazy and stuff. And then after that, he's kind of like focusing attention towards the Pharisees, kind of trying to kind of help them understand something. And then now, now, he's, um, now he's, he's talking all right, to his disciples. It says right here in verse 1, he also said to his disciples, so he calls his boys, all right, homies, you guys, I want you to listen. All right, I'm going to speak something into you guys. I want you guys to get this because you're not only going to get this, you got to give this, all right? So, so he says this, he says to his disciples, he tells them a story, a crazy story. He said there was a rich man, all right, dude who had all kinds of stuff, all kinds of property, big old whatever's going on. And uh, he had a manager, and the manager, all right, he, and, and, and he charges were brought to him that this manager was wasting his possessions. He had somebody in charge of all his stuff, and he, and he come to find out this dude, maybe, well, maybe he's skimming off the top, you know what I mean? Maybe he's taking really long lunches, or maybe you know, he's grabbing all the good pens and taking them home. I don't know what he's doing, right? But he's wasting the dude's stuff. And he's like, all right. He's like, check this out. He called him to an account. And he said to him, what is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be a manager. Did you catch that? Right there in the middle of that. He said, turn in the account. Turn in the account. He tells him, turn in the account of, 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 your, of your management, because you, no you can no longer take care of my stuff. See, every one of us are going to experience this phrase in some way, this turn in the account phrase. I don't know if you recognize this. Every one of us are going to experience this turn in the account phrase. There's going to come to a point at, you know, at every, in every one of ours existence where we're going to face God, right? We're going to come before God and, and, and we're going to turn in the account. He's going to say, what did you do with my son? The account of, of what did you do with my son? Every one of us are going to come before God and have to give an account away in some way. You know what I mean? What do we do with the gospel? Do we share the gospel? Or do we keep it in our pockets? Or what do we do with people? Do we embrace people, oh man, or we just walk on by them? What do we do with our time? What do we do with our talents? What do we do with our treasure? All right, what do we do with our time, man? I don't know how much time you got on this planet, right? There was some movie where some dude was saying, you know, we got, you know, for most people, the averages, people got 75 years, all right? No, the average living people today is 75 years. You got 75 years. That's 75 summers, 75 winters, 75 springs, and 75, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? 75 birthdays. What are you doing with us? Some of you have already lived beyond that 75, and you're knocking it out, keep on going, the sky's the limit, amen? All right, some of us are approaching that. Some of us are like, I'm 60. I'm like, I got 60 down. I don't know how many I got left. What are we doing with, you know, with our time? We're going to give an account for the time that we spent here on the planet. What did you do with that time to bring glory to God? He says, you know, some of us will have, will have to give an account for our talents, right? You know, what, what we did with what we know how to do. All right, what do we do with what we know how to do? Some people say, I don't know how to do much. I just kind of put things where they need to go. That's the way you know how to do something. What'd you do with that? 
What did you do with the treasures, what you earned and what you collected? What did you do with, with, with what I put you in charge of, God's going to say. You see, for all of us, man, our stewardship, our management, like he's talking about right here, one day is going to end. There's some good news. All right. Hey, right on. Let's go. All right. <laughs> one day, our management over all these things that God allowed us is, is going to end, man, because when you, when you think about it, everything that we have is on loan. Everything that we're about, everything that we got, everything that we can claim is ours or we're in charge of, it's just on loan, man. All right? No matter how hard you work for it, no matter how hard you worked at it, is it really hot in here? <laughs> or is it just me, man? Because I am freaking out right now. All right? Got all kinds of humidity going on all over my body right now, freaking me out. Sorry, you didn't need to hear that. All this is just on loan, man. You know, I don't care how hard you work for it. You're only going to use it while you're here. I mean, you may give it to somebody else, you right? And then it's going to be on loan to them too. So I got a really, really important question that's a very right now, a today question. And I really want you to take this seriously because, like I said, all of us are going to come before God and we're going to have this whole turn, on the, turn in the account experience. What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with people? What did you do with your time, your talents, your treasures? What did you do, man, to bring me glory? So when you think about that, what are you about right now that's going to last beyond you? What are you about right now? What are you about in your life right now that's going to just go on beyond you, man, for the glory of God? What are you doing right now, man, that, is, that isn't all about you? Think about this, man. What are you doing right now? What are you about right now that is about others, all right, and about his glory? What are you doing right now, this moment, man? What are you thinking about, all right? What do you got going right after this? What are you coming into? What are you coming out of, all right, that you've been doing that isn't all about you, that it is all about him? For the glory of God and other centered man, what are you doing, man, that has this eternal impact? The guy called him into account, right? And then, and then the manager, you know what I mean, he starts freaking out. And he said to himself, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, what do I do? He says, well, well you know, since this master, he's, he's taking my job from me. I, you know, this is my livelihood, all right? He's taking this away from me. I'm not strong enough to dig, okay? So you guys might be a little bit lazy, all right? I'm not ashamed to beg. Might be a little bit proud, all right? All right? He was tripping, man, because he got comfortable with what he thought was an optional life. What I mean by that, he got com comfortable with thinking that, you know what, you know, I have a choice to either be a taker or a giver, a keeper or a blesser. I got a choice, man. I don't know if that's our choice. But see, we've created that choice in our culture, in our lifestyle, throughout the world, throughout time, you know, humankind, we've, we've created this choice, you know, anything I get, I'm keeping. And if I can't get it, you know, I'm going to take it. And that's what this guy was doing, man. He was just taking, skimming off the top, good pens, I don't know, whatever it was. He was just taking. And you got to think to yourself, what about me? See, a lot of years I lived my life as a taker. A lot of years I lived. Over half my life I lived my life as a taker. I just take. I just took, 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 and took. Until I met the one, the only one who gave gave and gave 
with no strings attached. He gave his life completely for me. He gave it all up. He held nothing back. He bled out life so that I can live with him forever. I met that guy, man, and it freaked me out and it changed my world. And it showed me how much I've just been taking. And even today, I still struggle sometimes with keeping, 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 rather than blessing, blessing, and blessing. What about you? You see, when I'm confronted once again, even when I'm keeping and not blessing, I got to remind myself, he's still giving, man. He hasn't stopped giving. Take a deep breath in. Breathe out. Now say, hey, thanks for that. Did you buy that air? Did you put some down payments on your air? Where's it coming from? We got an air factory just cranking out air? No, we're doing the opposite right now. But he keeps blessing. And so I got to remind myself that I need to be like him and bless as well. What about you? You'll take her. You'll give her. You're more of a keeper, more of a blesser. What are you going to do about that? Because as quiet as it's often kept, <laughs> this life was never intended to just be my life. Did you hear that? As quiet as it's kept, man, this life right here, this life right here, homie, this life that I'm living right here in this skin was never intended to be just my life. And the same goes for you. This is a truth that everyone, every one of us are going to have to give an account for someday. Someday. How are you getting ready for that? Check out this dude. He says, look at that. I've decided what I'm going to do, he says in verse 4. He says, and so when I'm removed from the management so that people could still receive me, I'm just going to try to prepare for my future, right? Because he says, so summon his master's debtors one by one. He starts, you know, he's still using his position to kind of gain him some position. He says, how much do you owe my master? And dude said, 100 measures of oil. He said, take, take your bill, write 50. Give me 50, I'll handle it. All right? Dude was like, yeah, right on. I like you. All right? And there's another cat, right? He says, hey, how much do you owe? He says, you know, I owe him 100 measures of wheat. He said to him, well, take your bill, right, 80. See, this only recognizes the greater reality of his current way of living, the greater reality of his life that he was living, of, of just taking and just keeping, and you know what, and just skimming, and you know, he, he, was, he realized there's a greater reality, all right, because there was a call to an account for every life. And knowing that he was going to lose his job, he started to plan for the future by cutting debts that were owed. Man, I mean, it wasn't even, it was kind of, again, it wasn't his money. I mean, he may have took out a little bit of his commission and said, you know what, just keep it. But the rest was, the, was his, boss's, you know, his boss's interest. He just took and let it go, hoping that it would lead to something greater later. Back in 1991, all right? I just got out of the academy, and um, <laughs> my parole officer told me I had to get a job. I mean, he didn't have to tell me that. I knew I had to get a job, but he told me, no, you've got to get a job or you're going back in. <laughs> All right? And so I was like, all right, no problem, man. I mean, I want to work. I need, I need to. I, you know, life's changed. i got to do something. And I started looking for work, man. I went to this company. It's called Burke Rubber. They made uh, baseboards, little rubber baseboards you see on the bottom of the walls there. 
And I went to the interview, and the only thing that sold me on this job, right, because I was like, I ain't want to do this job, but you know what? He says, we have this really cool thing, man. If you work one year solid without missing a day, we'll send you and your family to Disneyland for a week. I said, I am sold. <laughs> a free week at Disneyland? I want this job. I told my wife, you know, Debbie, we're going to get a free week at Disneyland. Us and the kids, it's going to be a blast. She's like, yeah, take that job, babe. Boom. So I went and took that job, all right? And my job, here was my job, all right? It's kind of complicated. See if you can keep up, all right? I had this big press in front of me, right? A big oven press, all right? And I had on this there a stack of rubber, all right? Made 18 inches wide, 36 inches long, all right? And my job was to take that rubber, you follow me? throw it into this oven, kind of had the finesse, whoosh, whoosh, boom, hit this red button, bam, step back, kapoosh, take it out, put it right there. <laughs> that was my job. <laughs> and I did it again, <laughs> and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, all right? It was constant. That's all I did, man. It's like, kabam. Debbie was sure, oh, did I mention that this was a graveyard shift? So I did this all through the night till daylight, all right? And Debbie was really cool, man, because she felt bad for me. She'd come in the middle of whatever time it was to bring me my lunch, all right? So I go out there and sit in the car with her, and I'd eat lunch, and she'd encourage me, you can do this, man, you can do this. And I'm like, okay, I'm just thinking Disneyland, all right? All right? <laughs> You're right, it's going to be all right. I come back after a while, man, I don't even like Disneyland no more. I'm like, well, why not do with Disneyland? All right, and one evening I come out to the car, man. I get in the car to have lunch. I said, just go, just go, 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 go. Just go, man, and we don't care. Don't mention Disneyland to me ever again. I quit, all right, but the cool thing is I had a better job on the line. I had another opportunity. I've been talking, Debbie and I had a friend and we were talking about giving this job welding and stuff like that, and that's something I love to do, and I like to do, and I just had a new opportunity, all right? Because I couldn't just quit. I had to plan for that future. I had to, I had to, I had to know, you know, once this, you know, I, I still, no matter what, the greater reality is I have to put bread on the table for my family. Right? I've been absent for quite a long time, acting like an idiot, and I gotta do something right here. I gotta, I gotta, do, what, I gotta do what I'm supposed to do. All right, there's this greater reality. See, the manager, knowing that he would be called to an account, he used his present position, all right, to prepare him for what's next. Now, and I want to challenge you to think about what can you begin to do right now, all right, right where you're at? What can you be doing right now? Because as, you, as you're hearing this message, man, you're recognizing this is a truth that we're all confronted with, every one of us. We'll be called to turn into account. Now, this is not a, a fear-based kind of, you know, better be afraid, you know. And no, this is a reality check for all of us to recognize that we carry around the greatest treasure on the planet, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to be active in, in giving that treasure away. There's opportunity for everyone of us because we're all somewhere around someone. And a lot of those someones need to know that well, they can know Jesus, that it's actually possible for them to know Jesus. And they got to begin that, that understanding by seeing Christ in you. And then the master, this is where he gets kind of tripped out. Now, right? uh, Jesus kind of ends the uh, parable here that he's talking the story, and he kind of begins with this point, right? He says, the master commended the dishonest manager. Jesus said this. Then the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. 
Uh, dude's still fired, you know, you're still out of here, you know what I mean? You know, how much those pens cost? He's like, you're gone, right? And he said, uh, he said, but you know what? He commended him because he acted wisely and prudent, prudently. And Jesus throws this out there as a point, man. He says, you know, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light, all right? Basically, he's, he says the thought that, that Jesus was just kind of just glaring, the thought that the businessmen of his day were more wise, all right, more bold, more forward-thinking in the management of what they had than the people of God were with the managing of what God had given them, the truth. Now, it's, don't get it twisted, because Jesus is not glorifying this guy's behavior. Instead, he's giving us a behavioral contrast to learn from, a behavioral opposite to learn from. And the first thing he says, look, he wants to learn is this dude knew that he would, he knew, he knew, he came to, he, maybe he wasn't thinking about it before, but he came to the knowledge of understanding that he would be called to account for his life. And he took it seriously for the way he was living his life. And he took it seriously. See, we're, we're not here to complain about the world, man. God did not put us here to complain about this world and this country and this state and this you know, town and whatever the case may be and this family or whatever. He did not put us here to complain about the world, but he put us here to change it, man. He put us here to, to, to change it for his glory. And so what are you doing about that today? Again, I'm asking myself these questions. What am I doing about this today? Because I got a lot of things I could be complaining about all day long, man, right? I got a lot of things. Get, it, get in a complaining circle, and it just starts firing away, huh? Well, then there's that, and then there's this, and what about, you know, that guy, you know what I mean? Or what about this thing, you know? We can keep on going. That's not the way he put us here. He put us here to change the world. Not just complain about it. And second, this cat took advantage of his present position to arrange a better future. Oh, this one dude said, man, I told you, I can't, I told him earlier, I can't even remember who said this. I'm not quite sure exactly who said this. So if you said this, say, oh, I said that. All right? And so <laughs> it was simply this, man. If Jesus' people pursued the kingdom of God, ready? If Jesus' people pursued the kingdom of God the same, with the same passion and commitment that so many people pursue profit and pleasure, this world would be a whole different place. Did you hear what I just said? If Jesus' people pursued the kingdom of God and his glory of beyond you life, living life that is way beyond your life, if Jesus' people pursued the kingdom like many people on this planet pursue profits and pleasures. With the same commitment, well, we'd be living in a whole different world. If just a handful of Jesus people just said, man, we got that. My passion is for his glory. My commitment is for his glory. People are going to know the gospel because I'm still breathing on this planet. Amen? You see, the church, I mean, throughout the years, I can give a whole history of the church of how we had had these huge adventures of missing the point completely and spreading the gospel. But I mean, just like 50 years ago, man, what did we have? We had Bullhorn Guy. All right? You ever have Bullhorn Guy telling everybody with a big sign saying, you're all going to hell? 
What do you think of that? You know what I mean? Is anybody here because of bullhorn guy? Anybody like, hey, man, you know what? I'm going to church. Anybody? You know, or the signs or anything like that? No, maybe not. We softened the blow maybe down in the 60s. Well, maybe that's over 50 years ago. Well, man, you know, in the 70s, and we started doing, you know, doing, doing the T-shirt testimonies. And I'm still about, I'm not against T-shirts. I have, you know, testimonies. I, you know, have a bunch of, um, of ones that I've been creating just for fun and going to put out there, have some fun with it and stuff like that. But we thought that if all we got was a T-shirt that said, hey, dude, don't go to hell. You know, that's good enough. We don't have to say nothing. Dude, don't go to hell, man. It's going to be bad. All right? And we don't, we don't have to worry about it. And then we thought, well, no, we just have to have more programs, programs for this and programs for that. And, program. and again, programs are good, man. There's not, 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 not a big problem. But you have to remember, before you get involved in the program, before you start a program, you have to remember that in God's eyes, you are the program. In the eyes of Jesus, you are the program. Your life is the program. Your, 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 your relationships, that's the program. Your opportunities, man, that's the program. So we're the messengers, we're the creators, we're the innovators that God placed on this planet to make him known, to continually rethink all right, the way that we reach people with the truth of God. And we're not here to bend the word, all right? Or we're here to challenge this culture with the truth in love. For so long, the church... Preach the truth without love. And now the world's response is love without truth. For so many years, man, if you look at the history of the church, it has preached the truth, the truth, the truth. You know, with a bat in a club, in a big old Bible, pap, 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 the truth without love, you're going to hell. You know what I mean? It's constant truth without love. And now the world responds to that message that it received for so many years. Its response is this love with no truth, without truth. We need to be the messengers that God created us to be, the creators that God created us to be, the innovators that he challenges us to, to challenge the world with, who speak and share the truth in love. The truth in love. Did you hear that? Who speak and share and even reveal the truth of God in the love of God for his glory. In order to do that, we need to recognize what, what's going on in the world right around us, the world at large, people's lives. So we can know how to love them. So we can know how to love them. See, if you listen long enough to a person, if you take the time to just get off of your life and your, your stuff, man, and just listen to another life, you will learn how to love them. And when you learn how to love them, they will give you permission to speak truth into their life. Ain't that right? Can somebody say Amen. Thank you very much. Let's make sure I'm still preaching, all right? Thank you. See, I, I keep, and we always keep coming back to this every once in a while, but the coronavirus gave us a, a great challenge. Not gave us, the, the COVID challenged us to do exactly this. 
So what I recognized is that a lot of churches were not prepared. And I'm not slamming them. I'm just saying they just weren't prepared, all right, for that to take place. And what happened is a lot of them shut down completely. They closed the doors and, and, and they closed the church. Now we knew that when this hit, this, this pandemic hit, we needed to be responsible, all right, in the midst of that. And we closed the doors, but we did not close the church. I'm so, I was so uh, just awesome to be able to be a part of, of a church, uh, you know, just this, 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 you guys, all right, who said, you know what, we're still going to get out there and we're going to change the world. We're not going to just, everybody's going to go hide away in their houses and stuff. They're still out there, man. We're feeding people, feeding kids. We're going to help the kids doing lunches at the schools and stuff, making distilled water for people who couldn't get distilled water, all right, for, for, for nursing moms and, and people on CPAP machines and stuff like that, all kinds of stuff. We we're still getting food, toilet paper. We we're collecting tons of toilet paper. If you would have told me 20 years ago, hey, man, save your toilet paper, all right? If you'd have told me that, I think you're crazy, all right? But, but you know, I was able to watch the church get involved. Why? Because we were not afraid to get in with, I mean, involved with other organizations that were not, not faith-based. Now, hold on a second. You see, too many times, we're like, oh, you don't believe in Jesus, we can't work with you, all right? You know, we can't, you know, you're helping people, you're saving lives, but you don't believe in Jesus, sorry, we can't, you know what I mean? You're... You know what? No, man, if you're helping the community and you're helping people and you are faith friendly, in other words, you're not going to condemn us for our faith, we can, we can work with you. Obviously, we can't lead beside you, but we can serve a community that is hurting, that is hungry, and that is dying. And because of that, our community was a lot better during that time. And it was amazing. And I can't tell you how many times we were able to share the gospel even with these non-faith-based organizations, and how many people, have, how many of them started asking us about our God, and we were able to give that testimony. Jesus says something even crazier. He says, I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, all right, that they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Basically, he catches another gear, man. He's going, right, in, in the same direction, but he, he just pops into another gear right here and basically, you know, challenges us because he says, since, since money is one of the greatest competitors for our heart, he challenges the competition from a personal view of the kingdom and to the kingdom. We all know that money is one of the greatest competitors for our heart. But we have to remember again, once again, everything's on loan. And he tells us to make friends for yourself in the generous use of wealth and possessions for the care and well-being of others. See, Jesus' people who use their wealth and possessions like this give evidence to their faith and the commitment to God who rewards us eternally. Did you hear that? Talk about a witness to the world. You're like, wait a second, you're talking about my money now. Hey, just calm down, all right? You're like, how much does he want? He wants all of it, all right? So just get over yourself. <laughs> he wants your whole life, all right? Everything is on loan, remember? You don't talk about a witness to the world, man, these Jesus people. He, even if they don't, you know, have great means, still what they got, they're willing to give to help others.
This is what gives evidence to our faith. He says, one who is little, excuse me, one who is faithful in the very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest as much. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? Money in the eyes of God is like, he says, this is a very little thing, man. And yet we're the ones who are making it so much. He says, the true riches is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The true riches is the word of God. The true riches is the truth church of God, the true riches of the lives that we are surrounded by. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And if we're not faithful with the little things, all right, why do we assume we're magically going to become faithful with the big things? And he says, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another, who's going to give you which is your own? No servant can serve, key words, serve, Two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or will be devoted to the one and devoted to the other. You cannot serve God and just whatever you consider to be wealth, like money and material and those kind of things. You think you cannot serve God in money. Again, he uses money because it's one of the biggest competitors for our heart. And so what do you do with the competition? He says, give it away. Give that competition for your heart away. All right? And, Give it away, man. Put it to eternal use. And he looks over at the Pharisees. All right, he's been talking to his disciples. You look at, there's how you have to lead, boys. All right, here's how you're going to lead, man. And, and here's how you're going to lead and serve the world for the glory of God. And he said it in the earshot of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of this time. And he looks over to these guys, man. He, you know, the Pharisees, he says, he says, who were lovers of money, heard all these things and they ridiculed him. They weren't even trying to hear him. All right, these Pharisees, these are religious leaders of this community. They should be more kingdom focused, right? And focused on being good shepherds to the people. But instead, they were more focused on their social status and, 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 their, and their community image. And he said to them, he goes, all right, I know you guys have been, I've been talking loud just so you guys could hear. But let me just talk straight at you. He said, you're those people who justify yourself. Right? Who, who create your own image. You try to appear righteous before men. You justify yourselves before men. But God knows your heart, all right? For what is, what is, what is exalted among men, basically self-righteousness, all right? And being a taker and a keeper forever in life, all right? Is an abomination in the sight of God. Amen. People who look to appear righteous before others typically are not righteous before God. God knows your heart as your heart is as it all is man the recentering and the resurrendering of every life begins with the humility to praise God with the humility the humbleness to declare the glory of God to lift up our great God and King, Jesus Christ, who died and who rose again, man. That is the treasure. That is the true treasure that no matter what it takes, no matter what it costs, no matter what, that we need to give away constantly and freely. 
I remember I told you, God gave me 60, man. I'm thinking, wow, this is interesting. All right? Don't know what's coming. Don't know what's next. I don't know if I got tomorrow. All I know is today is a very important day. Amen? What about you? How many years of God has God given you so far? How many years has God given you so far? And how many do you plan, the key word plan, on giving them back? How many do you plan on giving them back? We need to get busy, right? Not look busy. So I want to challenge you. Get involved and stay involved. Get involved in the work of the kingdom. Get involved in the praise and exalting of our great God and King. No matter where you're at, get involved and stay involved. How are you going to do that? Number one, prayerfully. Get involved and stay involved prayerfully. Start praying and keep praying, all right? And when you feel like you're done praying, guess what? Start praying again. And when you're done praying then, keep on praying. Live a life, a day. Don't just, not just my morning prayer and my prayer before dinner or none of that stuff. Just a life of constant, I'm here, man, in front of you all day long. I'm yours. Prayerfully, start praying. You get involved in praying. Stay involved in praying, all right? You want to start praying, you want to keep praying. Ask God how he wants you to start to help his, his, you know, move his kingdom forward, advance the kingdom, how he wants you to give of what you got. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. Prayerfully, stay, start praying and keep praying. Get involved and stay involved physically. Start helping and keep helping. All right? There, if you don't know how to help, there's a, there's, a, there's a QR code in the back of those seats. Take your phone, man. Hold the camera over it. Hit that. It'll take you to our, our app. If you already have our app, go to our app. Open it up. All right? Slide down. You'll see volunteer. Hit that. Boom. All kinds of ways to get hooked up. Handle it. Start helping and keep helping. This, this, you know, too many people think, oh, it's just a work for the professionals. You show me one professional Christian, please. I'd love to see it. Get involved, stay involved prayerfully. Get involved, stay involved physically. Get involved, stay involved financially. Start giving and keep giving. I know the challenge is to, is to get, 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 then keep, 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 keep. No, man. You know what? Maybe get to give. Get to bless. We get to give and help it. We get to help people. We get to bless people. Again, and you know what? Where do I start? You know, we don't pass a plate here. We, have you ever had a plate passed? One time we passed a plate. You know what we did with it? We gave money away that day. There were $10 bills, I think it was. We told everybody, take one. All right. People were like, what? Right? Yeah, it was, but it was, again, go back. I'll have to find that sermon for you. Go find it somewhere, but it's pretty awesome. All right? The one time we passed the plate, because why? Because giving is an act of worship. It's not just something you, feel, you need to feel guilty about or coerced about or you're grudgingly. Giving is an act of worship. It's between you and God. So if you were praying and you keep praying, you know what I mean, about this, God is going to lead you and say, okay, and how he wants you to give. 
That's why, you know, we have a giving box back there. You can give, you can give online. If you go on our app, go down, you'll see give. Click that and give. Get involved, stay involved prayerfully, physically, financially. Because if your life is all about you, it's going to end when you end. If it isn't all about you, it's going to live way beyond you. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. Love you. There'll be people here to help you pray, man. If you need help prayer, this is, this is one of those sermons that kind of hit a little hard. I get it because it hits me pretty hard. We're going to have some people on the sides over here love to help you pray. And if you, you know, have a hard time with that or if you're kind of tripping on that, we've got a fence back there in the corner. Put a prayer in that fence. We will not miss it this week, I guarantee you. Praise the Lord. Amen.